Testament um, into one of the uh, major prophets. If you turn with me to the book of Jeremiah, book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, they called the weeping prophet. And I can, I can understand one of the reasons why they called him the weeping prophet. He had 40 years of ministry and he saw very little fruit. And yet he, was, he continued to be faithful in the ministry that God had given him. Now, it wasn't an easy ministry. He basically preached repentance or God's wrath to the nation of Judah. And people didn't want to hear that message. People wanted to hear messages, even like today, some, some people would rather hear nice things than the real truth about God's word, about obedience, about following him, about laying your own needs and desires aside and about setting Jesus up as your Lord and Master. And people, just like today, back then, they didn't want to hear that message. But Jeremiah was faithful to preach. And the Lord was faithful to continue to give him illustrations and ideas in order to get his message across to the people. And I love that. As we go through Jeremiah, there, there are a couple of unusual ways that God speaks to Jeremiah and tells him to bring the word to the people. And I, I love that, how he had that intimate relationship with his prophet and how he knew the people that Jeremiah had to go to. So in Jeremiah 18, we're going to just go through the first six verses. So if you'll read along with me, and then we'll go back and we'll study it. And in verse 1, it says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. The potter's wheel, a very common sight in those days. Every town square had a potter. And as people would wander through the town, they would wander by him and they would see him at work at his wheel. Now, a little history of the potter's wheel. It was one, it was one of the earliest inventions. Primitive potter's wheels were made of stone. In Bible times, potter's wheels were also made of wood. Two wheels were joined by a shaft so the upper wheel was at hand level, and the foot moved the lower disc, and the connecting axle caused the upper wheel to revolve. You've probably seen them used. Modern potter's wheels follow the same basic design, and many of them are electrically powered. 
Now, before using the wheel, the potter must knead the clay to rid it of all its impurities and of air. He wedges it. He slices it in half and slams the halves back together again to force out all the air bubbles. This is the preparation that the potter made with the clay. And when he feels that the clay is ready, the potter places a container of water at his workbench to keep his fingers wet, and he turns to his wheel. Next, the potter takes the clay and he slams it down on the potter's wheel. He actually throws it. He sets the wheel in motion and he surrounds the clay with his hands, forcing it to true center. This is called centering the clay. This is one of the most important steps in making pottery. Now the potter must master the clay, making it responsive to his touch. He applies pressure at the base of the clay ball, causing it to rise up in sort of a rounded cone. Then he presses on top of the clay with his thumbs or with his palms. And he repeats this step three or four more times. And that increases not only the flexibility of the clay, but the strength of the clay. At this point, the potter now can open up the clay ball. It's called opening up. He presses his thumbs into the center of the clay, gradually hollowing it out. He applies pressure with his fingers. He evens out the thickness of the cylinder walls. Now you can just imagine the potter's hands surrounding the clay. Finally, he shapes or pulls the clay into a vase, a pitcher, or whatever he chooses. Now, you've heard me use some various terms as I described what the potter does. I said he wedges, he throws, he forces, he masters, he centers and he pulls the clay. And all of these terms imply that the clay isn't so easy to work with. Often, a partially formed object will disintegrate into a shapeless heap of clay because a tiny stone was left in the clay before it was worked. So the potter must then begin to knead the clay again. Or he may just dislike the way a pot is coming out on the wheel and he may just sweep it off and start all over again. Jeremiah 18 describes God as the potter, having trouble at his wheel because his people refuse to obey his voice. Now the potter's wheel, again, was a familiar sight to the people in biblical times. They walked by and they could see it in the marketplace in every village and town. The main idea of this passage is that God is the potter. We are the clay. He is sovereign over our lives. And he has the finished product already planned, even before we're born. Then you may ask, how can I say that? Well, in Psalm 139... Verses 13 through 16, it says, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance 
being yet unformed, a lump of clay. And in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. So before we we even came into being, God knew what the finished product was going to look like. God is the potter. We are the clay. The wheel is our life. And the water is the influence of the Holy Spirit, making us flexible, moldable, shapeable, and strengthening us. And the potter's hands go around that clay and start to work it. It The potter embraces the clay with his hands. He adds varying degrees of pressure, applying more when needed to cause the clay to become the shape that he desires. Anyone who's worked with pottery knows you apply pressure and adjust the position of your hands and the clay starts to respond to your touch. It actually starts to go in the direction that you want it to. And you can actually start to then lighten the touch because the clay is starting to respond to your hands. Then the potter starts to form the vessel he wishes to make. He digs out the excess clay from inside the vessel, reaching deep down inside to get all of the stuff out that doesn't belong. I heard it once said that if you want to make something, whether it's a sculpture or or a pot or something out of clay, you take away everything that doesn't look like what you want to make. Now that sounds a little strange, because if you have a block of clay... How do you know what to take away? Well, God knows. He starts to take away all of those things that do not look like what he intends us to be, for us to be. If the clay has any imperfections in it, like a stone, it may cause the clay to become so stubborn or cause it even to break up on the wheel. And then the potter has to crush it down and start all over again. This is a really beautiful metaphor of our walk through this life. We're spinning on this wheel called life. We need direction and guidance from God. And sometimes we're doing really well. Sometimes we are yielding to His Spirit and allowing the potter's hands to mold us and shape us. And sometimes we rebel against the potter. Sometimes we're spiritually dry And we need to be washed in the water of the Word and yielded to the Holy Spirit to bring us back to a place where God can work with us again. Sometimes there's habitual sin in our lives that God has to remove and then crush us down again in order to continue the process. I hope you're getting the picture. And as we go through these verses, I'm going to give us a visual, just like Jeremiah had a visual to go along with what we're teaching tonight. In verses 1 and 2, it says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. This beautiful picture of an intimate relationship And it really perfectly describes the relationship and the interaction between God and His people. 
It says in Isaiah 64, verse 8, But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. And we are the work of your hands. God had a word for Jeremiah, but he wanted to give him a visual example of the lesson so Jeremiah would fully understand what God wanted to teach. This was a profound lesson about God's sovereignty and his right to discipline his people until they conformed to his plan. It's the same for us. God desires to bless us, but sometimes our sin or disobedience prevents him from doing so. So Jeremiah was called to preach a message to the nation of Judah. Repent or face judgment. They were rebellious, though, just like us. You know, we know God's word. Many of us here have been saved, have been Christians for a long time. We've been in the Bible for a long time. We know what the word of God says, and yet we tend to go our own way. We tend to resist the leading and the guiding, the prodding, the pulling, the pushing of the potter's hands on our life. We tend to think we know better than God. God was going to be faithful, though, to Jeremiah to give him an object lesson, and he's faithful to us. He's long-suffering. He's gracious with us. And there are times that God can even use common-day experiences in our life to get a message across. I don't know if he's ever done that with you. He's done that with me. Just common, everyday experiences that can teach us a valuable spiritual lesson. So, back in Jeremiah 18, in verse 3, it says, Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. Now, he was making something at the wheel. So, Jeremiah saw the potter, saw him at his wheel working, but he couldn't tell what the item was yet. Maybe it was just a blob of clay on the wheel. Maybe he was just getting started. Or maybe he was midway into it and it looked like it was going to become a vase. And then sometimes they actually take a string or a wire and they cut it in half and they make a bowl. So the potter knows in his mind what he wants to make. God knows what we're going to look like and sometimes as we are going along in our walk, we look like we're going in one direction. We look like we're becoming something. And all of a sudden, God will do something in our lives to cause us to turn and become really what he wants us to be. See, he knows best. So the potter was forming something out of the clay. When the clay is first thrown on the wheel, it looks just like a lump, just like nothing. Liz, you want to show that first slide? I don't know if you need to hit the lights a little bit. This is preparation for the clay. This is called wedging the clay. Notice how the potter is pressing down on it, pressing down, getting all the air bubbles out of it. Getting all, getting all the impurities out of it. This is just preparation. Sometimes God has to push us and pull us and put pressure on us just to get us to a place where we're prepared for Him to work in our lives. 
And the potter has to do that. Now, understand that clay is made of really the most basic ingredients that you can find on the earth. And just as man was formed out of the dust of the earth, there's no intrinsic value in the basic elements of of clay or even in the basic elements that make up our being. And apart from the touch of the master potter, a blob of clay or a human life is really without any real purpose or worth. And it takes time. We are always impatient. We don't like this preparation process in our lives. Maybe God was preparing you before you even knew he was calling you. Maybe God was using something to put pressure on you to get you to a place where you finally gave up and said, God, I need you. I want you. Not only does it take time for preparation, but our whole spiritual walk takes time. Our spiritual growth is a lifelong process. God will continue to shape and mold us into the men or women of God that he desires us to be in his timing, not in our timing. And the Bible says that he who has begun a good work in us will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So we know that we know that he started a work and he's going to finish that work. Now, just like this blob of clay, we don't accurately represent what God wants us to become. In fact, we don't look anything like what God really wants us to become. We may be moving in that direction. We may be yielding to his spirit, but we're not close to what he wants us to be. But what I love about God's relationship with us is that he sees the finished product. See, he knows what we're going to look like even before we're finished. He doesn't see the dirty, shapeless, formless, useless lump of clay. He sees a vessel, a valuable vessel that he can fill And that we can be used to overflow onto others. That's what God sees. In Romans 9, 18 through 21, Paul writes, Therefore he has mercy on whom he wills, and on whom he wills he hardens. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who has resisted his will? But indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, Why have you made me like this? Does not the potter have the power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? Now, you may ask, Why would God make one vessel for honor and one vessel for dishonor? That doesn't sound fair. Fair is the new word in today's today's language. Everything's got to be fair. But we need to understand the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man and how they work hand in hand, how they work together 
to better understand what this means. See, God is sovereign, but he'll never force us to obey. We can resist or we can yield to him. If we resist enough, God eventually will confirm that decision and we will become a vessel for dishonor because we've resisted the potter's touch long enough. And we decided to go our own way instead of God's way. But if we yield to him, then he will confirm that decision and we will become a vessel for honor used to bless others and to glorify God. In Ephesians 2.10 it says, For we are his workmanship, his poema in the Greek, his artwork, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, he's making an artwork out of us. We're a work in progress. We're his poema. And it's all to bless others and to glorify God. Because in Matthew 5.16, it says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, there are four aspects of this potter-clay relationship that I want us to understand. And they're very simple. The first one is the power of the potter. The power of the potter. God is the potter. He has all power over our lives. He has the perfect right to do what he pleases. He's answerable to no one. He's sovereign. I think sometimes we like to question God. I think sometimes we forget who's really in charge in our lives. And he knows the end from the beginning. He knew who would be a vessel for honor. He knew who would yield to his touch. He knew who would yield to the leading of the Spirit. And he knew who would resist even before we were born. He knows what the vessel will look like. The power of the potter is that he is God. And we mustn't question it. Although he's long-suffering and he will allow us to resist him over and over and over again, he eventually will confirm in us what we desire most. Now that was the power of the potter. The next is the personality of the clay or the characteristic of the clay. Now clay really has no characteristics of its own that would allow it to become of anything worthwhile. It's a very common element mixed with water, and it only becomes functional, it only becomes valuable when it's formed by the potter. And in order for the clay to become what the potter wants it to be, it has to become pliable, workable, flexible. It must remain wet in order for it to be shaped. And I love the metaphor of the Holy Spirit as that water that allows us to be made flexible and pliable in the potter's hands. The clay needs to just submit, just rest, not reject 
not resist the potter's hand upon it. Liz, you want to show the next slide? So this is the potter getting his hands wet, preparing to, uh, to just go around that, that ball of clay that, he, that he's going to throw onto the wheel. You, you can go to the next one. So he places the clay. See, it's just a blob. Hits it down firmly in the center of the wheel so that it stays there. Go ahead, Liz. Centers it. Now he's going to center the clay. Now, that's, this is important. If the clay is off center, it's going to become wobbly on the wheel. So it needs to be dead centered. Now, by eye, you can try to center a, a lump of clay. But as you turn the wheel, you'll start to see if it's off a little bit. So you need to start to center it. You need to start to move it with your hands. You have, there's an opportunity there at the very beginning to take that lump of clay and to move it, to center it. Now think about our lives. We need to be centered. We need to be focused. We need to have God as the priority in our life. And everything else revolves around that relationship. That's what centering means. Go ahead, Liz. So he's now centering the clay and he's starting to wet it. He's starting to make it pliable. You see how the potter has his hands just completely surrounding that little lump of clay. Go ahead. Now see how close the potter is to the wheel. When you think that there are circumstances in your life when you think that there are things going on in your life that God doesn't know about or God is not aware of, or you think, how could God allow this circumstance in my life? He must not realize what's going on. Look how close. The potter is right up against the wheel. And his hands are close and around the lump of clay. That's an intimate relationship. That's an intimate relationship. One more list, please. Now, when the, lay, when the clay complies, I love this. This is pottery language. When the clay complies or feels calm, Potter starts to squeeze the clay. <laughs> Think about it. When we comply with God, when we, when we stop resisting God, when we rest, when we're calm, when we're still and know that He is God, He starts to mold us. He starts to shape us. We start to become what He wants us to be. In verse 4, it says, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good for the potter to make. In the New Living Translation, I like what it says about verse 4. It says, but the jar that he was making did not turn out as he had hoped. So the potter squashed the jar into a lump of clay and started again. Now, that's language we can understand. And, you know, this would be very frightening. 
if we didn't know the personality of the potter. And this is the third aspect of this potter-clay relationship that I want to talk about. See, we need to know, it's important for us when these things come up in our lives that God is going to start to squeeze us and pressure us and maybe even squash us down in order to form us again. When these things happen in our lives, it's important for us to understand the personality of the potter. See, because if we don't understand God's character, we may think that he's against us. We may think that these circumstances in our life are happening because God does not love us. That he doesn't have the best intentions for our lives. See, but that's not true. So in order for us to understand and get a better better realization of the character of God, we need to be continually in his word. See, God wants the best for us. And sometimes that comes from his hand of, uh, of discipline or correction upon our lives. When he sees something in us that he knows doesn't belong, he wants to root it out so it can't destroy us. It could be reoccurring sin in our lives that causes our fellowship to him, with him to be hindered. It could be an attitude that we have towards someone else, even someone who's hurt us, that God wants to root out. It could be unforgiveness in our heart towards somebody. All of these things God sees in us and he wants to take out of us so he can continue to mold us into his image. And the picture, he wants to reach deep down inside of us, into our hearts where that ugliness is, to take out all that gunk. And like I said before, all the stuff that doesn't look like Jesus. The stuff that doesn't look like the finished product. So the personality of the potter. When we doubt the character of God, we can actually become mad with God when things are going on in our lives that we don't understand. And we may misrepresent God as we're going through a trial. You know, the best way of witnessing to others about who God is in your life and whether you are truly yielded to the Spirit is how you respond and react when you're going through a trial. And we can only do that in an accurate way if we understand the true character of who God is and that He wants the best for us. And we can only truly understand that by continuing to read His Word and having it in our hearts so that we can understand who He is. He shows us grace. He shows us mercy. He wants the best for us. And sometimes the best is demonstrated when God puts pressure on us in order for us to go in a certain direction. He uses difficulties and trials in our life to mold us into His image. Liz, can you go to the next slide? So now we start to see the potter putting the pressure. He places his thumbs in the center of that lump of clay, continuing to have his hands around it, continuing to, to stay close to the wheel, 
Continuing to stay close to the circumstances in our life, God puts his hands around us and then starts to mold us, pressuring us, putting those thumbs into that center. Liz, next, please. And you see he's starting to make something. It's starting to look like something now. He pulls the clay out. Another, another term, pottery term, he's pulling. Both hands are touching each other and the clay is wet, continuing to remain wet. Continuing as we continue to be washed by the water of the word. Pliable, flexible, workable in the potter's hands. Next. And then he smooths out all the unevenness. Continues to make sure that the clay isn't too dry. All those bumps, all those things that, 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 that don't look nice, all of those impurities, imperfections in our life, God continues by that gentle pressure to smooth out in our lives. It's a process. It doesn't happen all, of, all at once. It's a process. Next, please. So he's applying constant pressure now on the bottom. Continuing to apply pressure. These are the trials, these are the circumstances in our life that God uses to form us. And notice the power of the clay. We spoke about, we spoke about the power of the potter, the personality of the clay, the personality of the potter, Now the power of the clay. The clay has some power. The condition of the clay is vital to the creation of the vessel. When the lump of clay becomes too stiff or too dry, it won't work. It'll become marred in the potter's hands. Sin is something that disfigures us in God's hands. And if left alone in our lives, if, le- if left unattended to, it will destroy us. The state of the clay or the condition of the clay is a metaphor for our hearts, the condition of our hearts. If our hearts are hard, then we can't be molded into what God wants us to be. The clay has that power. The clay has the power to become hardened and unworkable or flexible and pliable. And so do we. But it's our choice. It's our choice. We have that power. We can allow God to work in our lives. We can allow God's Spirit to lead us and guide us. We can allow the circumstances in our life, though we may not understand them, to draw us closer to God instead of away from God. But that's all of all our choice. It says in 1 Corinthians 5, 6, Your glorying is not good. Do you know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Now leaven in the Bible is always a picture of sin. And sin, just like leaven, can permeate our entire being so that we may become unusable to God. We have to purge that sin out. God wants to purge the old old leaven out of our lives. As the potter, he desires for us to be a vessel of honor 
for his good purposes. And we need to allow him to do that. Take away that. Whatever it is in our lives that's keeping us from being what God wants us to be. Then in verses 5 and 6 in Jeremiah 18, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Look at the clay, Liz, in the potter's hands. This is, the, this is called the, pl- the pull of the clay. You squeeze it and you lift it. And it says there, don't be afraid to be aggressive. Aggressive. Sometimes God needs to be aggressive in our lives. Sometimes God needs to be forceful in our lives to get us to to conform to his image. Next, please. Shaping. The potter's now shaping it, pushing the inside of the cylinder out while the outside hand gently supports the clay. So I love this. This is like God's dual purposes in our life. He's gently supporting the outside of that pot while he's pushing and forming it into what he wants it to be. See, God's not just going to push us to the, to the edge without giving us a support system. That support system is prayer. That support system is brothers and sisters that come around us when we're struggling, when we're going through hard times. God's going to use things in our lives to conform us to his image, to make us into what he wants us to be, but he'll always have something there in case we get too close to the edge. That support system. And next, we start to see it's starting to look like something. And now, because the clay was responsive, because the clay was workable and pliable in the potter's hands, notice now, only the potter's fingertips are necessary. Just a gentle touch. No more pushing. No more, no more squashing down. No more pressure. Just a gentle touch. As you move toward what God wants you to be, that pressure will start to lessen. And he'll just gently guide you to what he wants you to be. Watch how the potter uses varying degrees of pressure to form the pot. Sometimes sometimes it's intense pressure. And sometimes it's a gentle touch. Now I'm sure you can relate to times in your life that God has used intense pressure to mold you. And sometimes you may sense just that gentle touch of God. You may be really attentive to the leading of the Spirit. You may be in tune with what God wants to do. You may start to understand 
where He wants to take you and you may be resting and trusting in Him and moving toward that direction. Now listen, God used an intense situation in my life to get my attention in 1998 when he suddenly took my father from me, a massive heart attack. I didn't know the Lord. I look back and I see God using that circumstance in my life to start to get me to question, to draw me closer to Him. He may use an intense situation in your lives. He may use the death of a loved one. He may use an illness. He wants to draw you closer to Himself. He wants to continue to mold you into what He wants you to be. He may be calling you for the first time. He may need to use those kinds of circumstances in your life. And then as you start to submit, as you start to rest in His hands, He starts to use that gentle push, just the fingertips guiding you along. See, our job is just to yield to the potter's hands. And remember, God sees the finished product. He knows what's necessary to get us to the point of completion. We may not understand what He's doing, but we need to trust Him. In Romans 8.28 it says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us and He's going to continue to draw you towards His purposes. We may not understand it. The circumstances may not look like what God's eventually going to have us become. But He can use those things. Liz, please. This is the firing process. This is a primitive <laughs> kiln. It's pretty hot in there. Now the final step in the making of a vessel is the firing process. This makes the changes in the clay permanent. Irreversible. It's only after firing that an article can really be called pottery. As a rough guide, earthenware is normally fired at temperatures in the range of 1,800 to 2,500 degrees Fahrenheit. That's hot. That's hot. Now this, this step is necessary in order to set the changes in the clay and to make it of use and of value. Not only are peak temperatures achieved, but also a certain duration of time in the kiln is necessary. So a combination of maximum temperature and a constant period of time are needed in order to produce Listen to what it says, the maturity required in the pot. The maturity. See, the heat that God may allow in our life for a short time 
or for an extended period of time is specific to what he's trying to make us become. A particular amount of temperature, a particular amount of time will, will present and will produce a particular outcome in the pot. That's exactly what God is doing in our lives. He's going to allow those things in our lives. And it may feel like they're going on forever. But trust me when I say it's necessary for God to produce the particular outcome that he wants in your life. Sometimes God turns the heat up on us in order to set the changes in our life that he has made. And because we're impatient or resistant, it may take even longer for those changes to become set. And he may turn up the temperature a little bit more in our lives to set those changes. But know that God loves you. Know that God cares for you. Know that all of these things are for a plan and a purpose for you to become what he wants you to be. So will you allow him to mold you and shape you? Will you allow him to even add the pressure and the pain that's required to make you into a beautiful vessel of honor to serve him? Liz, could you go to the next slide, please? This is a poem. This is a poem that I found that I love. I'm going to read it. Liz, you're going to just follow. It's three slides, I think. Molding a man. When God wants to drill a man and thrill a man and skill a man, when God wants to mold a man to play the noblest part, when he yearns with all his heart to create so great and bold a man that all the world shall be amazed, watch his methods, watch his ways, how he ruthlessly perfects who he royally elects. How he hammers him and hurts him and with mighty blows converts him into trial shapes of clay which only God understands. While his tortured heart is crying and he lifts beseeching hands, how he bends but never breaks when his good he undertakes. How he uses whom he chooses and with every purpose fuses him by every act induces him. To try his splendor out. God knows what he's about. God doesn't make any mistakes. Whatever we're going through. God is using in our lives. To mold us and shape us. Into what he wants us to be. Liz please. Look. That's how God sees you. He doesn't see that lump of clay. He doesn't see that work in progress. He doesn't see the stone, the impurity. He doesn't see the imperfections. He works with all of those things with this in mind. With a completed saint in his eyes. Trust him to do the work that he wants to do. Let's pray.